Well, so what you have to do is, yeah, you have to come up with some simple ways of explaining how acupuncture works. So that if two people are having coffee and one of them says, wow, you're having acupuncture. Well, how does that even work? And then the other one can say, oh, well, you know, my acupuncturist explained it to me this way. And then a very simple story that even a child can understand. This is what we need. We do not need any big explanation of chi. Nobody talking to their neighbor over coffee wants to hear about chi. They don't care. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Every now and then I get a glimpse of something. Perhaps it's the influence of a teacher's teacher's teacher. Maybe it is setting aside my Western mind enough so as to think and perceive through something more informed by the five phases in the six chi, or perhaps it's nothing other than my quirky imagination working overtime in an unfettered moment. It's hard to say because the mind so very, very much wants to make sense to itself. That said, sometimes I get a glimpse, a feeling for Chinese medicine that lets me see what I normally don't see, like a well-crafted poem allows you into a textured world of feeling and knowing. Maybe you could call it intuition or synchronicity or, again, an overactive imagination. And isn't it curious how we love imagination in children, but treat it as suspect in adults? Lately, I've been struck with how Chinese medicine is vast, vast like a river that begins as melting snow and grows through its various streams into a force of significance. Chinese medicine is like a river with its own natural history and interlocking ecosystems of creatures, landscapes, currents, and flows. And it is possible with our Western minds to grasp some of that river. But that is like taking a bucket and dipping out one bucket full. Sure, you can look at the water in the bucket and know that that water came from the river, but you'd be making a huge mistake to think that the water in the bucket was the river. Our conscious mind is limited to the impressions from the senses and the stirrings of the mind, which, like that bucket of water, can open a particular view. The problem with the senses is that it opens the world to us and at the same time blinds us to anything that falls outside of the electromagnetic spectrum we are capable of perceiving. And the senses themselves are not unfiltered but rather selectively focused by the mind. It's easy to think that what's in our bucket of experience is the world, but it is one small fragment, a fragment that desperately seeks consistency and order. Add that water back to the river, it disappears. And yet I wonder if it carries the memory of the bucket. Just like we in our practices might carry something of the influence of the stream of people and consciousnesses that have brought the medicine down through the centuries, places, and practitioners to us. And we, in turn, pass along what has been given to us, and our influence is then added to that stream. The bucket is not the river, and it's not the river. Borrowed, perhaps, shut off temporarily from the great flow, a bit lonesome maybe, and yet unique in the moment. It is possible to take our medicine and put it in the bucket of Western science. We can use our Western minds to perceive this other stream of thought, just like we can understand something of a river 
by observing a bucket of its water, but the bucket is not the river. And it's hard to deeply understand something if you are forever standing outside of it. Laura Christensen is a successful practitioner, and she's been at it a long time too. But her success has not stopped her from recently hiring a business coach to help her take her practice and business to another level. A successful practice is not just about how many people you see or how much money you make. It's about creating a business that runs in a coherent and efficient way. It's about having a business that you run instead of it running you. If you feel like you've made headway with your practice, but you're always in what feels like catch-up mode, I know that a lot of you complain about having to run a business, but really, it's a privilege to be able to choose the structure of our days and to create a way to be in the world that allows the opportunity to practice medicine and to support our families. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. 
You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. I'm grateful that I get to choose how my days unfold and always up for a conversation on better understanding how to run my practice because it means that I can help more people in ways that fit with my values and goals. Let's find out now more from Laura about how to take a good business and make it even better. Hey, Laura Christensen, welcome back to Geological. Hi, Michael. I'm so happy to have you here. You know, you are becoming like a regular. You should maybe have your own like mini podcast on Geological or something. This is probably, I don't know, third, fourth? It's my third, I think. I might have been on a panel discussion or something. You were on a couple of panels, as I recall. Well, let's just call it Michael's Gang. Well, you are part of the gang. I've known you a while, and you're mm-hmm. part of that Midwest acupuncture mafia, so there is that as well. Yeah, we're different. We have a different challenge from coastal acupuncturists. Well, we're here to talk about business, so how do you see our challenge being different than the Coasties? Listen to us here in the flyover zone talking about the Coasties. Well, I was actually driving through the Iowa countryside today to get to this meeting, and I was thinking a little bit about what I might say, and I was thinking that acupuncture is relatively new in the Midwest. I mean, I don't know, relatively. And what I was thinking about saying was, nobody's looking for what we're selling, (laughs) basically. Really? I think it depends on what we think we're selling. Exactly. Because if what we're selling is acupuncture, then yeah, I mean... Maybe they're looking for it, maybe they're not, but if what they're looking for is relief from their neuropathy, I'm thinking of the people that have called me this week, relief from their neuropathy or their sciatica or their migraine headache or their uterus that doesn't seem to be working well. Right. They're looking for relief from that stuff. Yes, they are. I don't think people really care about the method in some way. They just, they're hoping they'll find something that will be effective and get them what they want. That's certainly true. I think I was responding to a comment that was made to me by a marketing guy oh, 15 years ago or so who said, you know, nobody wants to be stabbed with sharp objects. And this is your basic problem. And exactly what you said is sort of what he said is people are looking for a solution to a problem. And that's true. But getting poked with sharp objects and that being the solution to a problem is 
still a relatively new connection for people to make. Most people don't know that acupuncture can help with their uterus that isn't working. Yeah, I mean, it is famous for musculoskeletal, and most people know that. But yeah, using it for overall health and well-being, or even internal medicine issues for that matter, yeah, it's not as well-known, but getting there. Yes, it is. I think what they say is true. Your best advertising are your satisfied customers. And so as people try what we do and find that it helps with things like respiratory diseases and digestive illness, they tell their family and friends, and that's how it grows, slowly. Most things do grow slowly. If they grow fast, it's called a cancer. <laughs> well, one of the reasons we're together today is because we want to talk about business. And you've been doing some things recently that we've talked about, you know, offline, so to speak, but we're going to talk about them online right now. But when I think about a practice that grows quickly, that can actually be a problem if you're not prepared for the amount of business that you're going to get. Right? I think a lot of folks think, oh, I'm going to get busy and that's going to solve my problems. Well, it might solve certain problems. It's going to create others, especially if you don't have the infrastructure or mental mindset mm -hmm. to handle that capacity. Yeah, there's several different aspects of that. On Friday night, at the end of the day, I had seen nine patients and my secretary left for the day and she said, shall I lock you in? And I said, yes. And then I sat there for an hour and a half looking at my statistics for the week, looking at the sales that we had done, making sure my secretary did everything properly in the database, planning what kind of things we need to work on next week, ordering some needles. And there are so many things that go on besides poking people with pins. And not to mention the fact that when you first start all of this, it takes you a while to figure out what to do in the treatment room. Now, this is my 28th year, and I can usually figure out what to do in the treatment room in about five minutes, but wasn't that long ago that it took me 30 minutes. So this is a very demanding job. And at the end of the day, you really don't get to just go home. You've got to take care of the business. And it's a big surprise to people. Even people who have had some kind of introduction to that in acupuncture school tell me, oh, I never really realized all this stuff. I think at the beginning of a practice, you spend a lot of time figuring out exactly what level of complexity you require and what you enjoy in your automation. You recommended a particular practice management system to me a year or two ago. We switched to it, and it was a learning curve, but now, man, it's super powered. I love it. I'm using Jane. Yep, me too. And, of course, because you're the one that recommended it to me. <laughs> no, not necessarily, of course. Oh, really? Because I've used at least two others, maybe three, I can't remember, but at least two others. This is why it's really important to look at what kind of infrastructure you want to have and look at the tools because once you get on, it's hard to change horses. I have changed from other systems and you really want to look at something not just as, oh, will this help me today? Will this help me 10 years from now? Is this thing going to make my life harder or easier? I mean, a lot of times folks look at, well, how much does it cost? Well, most systems are going to be in the ballpark with each other because they're competitive. 
question is, how well do you like that system? And you're going to be able to live with what it does or doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Will you be able to, it's like, I don't need the Cadillac version. I don't bill insurance. So there's a bunch of stuff I don't need. I can safely ignore that. But if you need insurance, you got to make sure that the insurance billing works really well and and all of that. But we're talking record systems here at this moment. But really what I want to say is any infrastructure that you put in place, including your business practices, it seems like it's a constantly moving target. Yes. And it's tricky because on one hand, you need something that will work today. You need something that will work five years down the road. You need to make sure that company is going to be there in five years. And you don't know what your practice looks like in five years. And that's the main reason I wanted to talk with you today, because like you just said, you've been doing this stuff for 28 years. But what's been really fun in the past, I don't know, six-ish months just talking with you, because we chat from time to time, is you have hired yourself after all these years of being a very successful practitioner, running your business, you know what the hell you're doing. You hired a business coach. Right. And you have like doubled down on the business aspect of what you're doing after all this time. Right. And that's what I'm really curious to hear about, because you would think that after 25 plus years, oh, you got this stuff down. But what I'm hearing from you is there's a bunch of great new stuff that you're learning. Well, over these years, I've read a business book here and there. I watched a YouTube video, blah, blah, blah. And the business coach has not, he has not taught me anything I didn't already know. Let's just say that, first of all. But what he's done is he has given me a systematic way to pull all of these tools together and also a kind of a hierarchy of importance. So the model, it's a franchise actually, it's called Action Coach. And the owner of this, the top dog is a guy named Brad Sugars. And he's an Australian guy and he owns tons of businesses and he's been a business coach forever. And so my local fellow just walked into the office one day and he said, I'm a business coach for a local physician that you know. And I was just wondering if you'd like to sit down and talk about bringing on a business coach. And I had five minutes free. And so we had a quick talk and we scheduled a meeting and then we had a, an official sit down later that week. And so what this is doing, and so I meet with him every other week and I pay him a little over a thousand dollars a month. It's a lot of money. And I've got a year long contract with him. So because I pay a lot of money, I'm very motivated to work hard and to get as much as I can out of his system. So he gave me a set of tasks to do that some of them seemed kind of silly. Like one of them was do your vision and mission statement. And I went, oh my God, why do I have to do that again? But having his coaching about what that really means and the role that it plays in the business was so helpful. He said, this is the thing, you've got to keep this in front of your staff because this is what calls you forth every day. This is what you live for. So you can't just have it in a drawer somewhere. You got to share it with your staff. And another thing that we worked on was education for patients. He said, how do people find out about you? I said, word of mouth usually. And he said, well, how are you teaching your clients to educate potential clients? And I said, well, I'm not really controlling that very well. And he said, why don't you develop four pieces of marketing material 
that you can distribute to people in a sequential manner. And then you have to track the pieces of marketing material that you've given to each person, make sure that every new patient gets every piece. And so we set up a whole system with eight steps. And I developed some really cute little cards that explain how acupuncture works and what to expect from it. And that was so fun. I worked with a great designer and we got our local printer to do those. And then the next thing he had me do was to look at, this was the killer. What is your break even? So that question, what is your break even? It's like, what? Like, how do you even figure that out? Well, I have now the giant spreadsheet. And I work on the, the giant spreadsheet every day. So you have your fixed costs, your rent, your utilities, your secretary's salary. And if you're smart, your salary <laughs> and your insurance, malpractice, premises insurance, work comp, all that. And then you have a variable cost, which is like needles, things that you sell. Continuing education is a kind of a variable expense. So then those are your expenses. And then this is the, another breakthrough. He said, you have to include 10% profit as an expense. As a fixed cost. As a fixed expense. I was like, what? Love it. Because I have always run my business just hoping that I might have some money left. Just hoping. And I would adjust my salary. I'm on salary. I'm an S Corp. So I have a salary QuickBooks computes my biweekly paycheck based on the salary I enter. I would go into QuickBooks and change my salary and make it lower and higher depending on how the business was doing. <laughs> and, you know, I could basically see what's going on and then like lower my salary. I spent so much time lowering my salary. And he said, no, 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 no. So you take 10% of your expenses. So take that number. So like if your expenses are 18,000 a month, then 10% of that is 1,800, so just add that. So now that means your expenses are 19,800 a month. So the profit is an expense, and that means it is guaranteed. That means that you've covered it. And that was like, wow, I was afraid. Hello everyone, Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. Yeah, I'm sitting here right now on the other end of this microphone <laughs> and thinking to myself, WTF? Why haven't I done that? <laughs> Why has nobody said that to me? Like, we live in this world where, of course, you have to turn a profit or you don't get to be in business. Mm. Why not build that in? Yeah. 
it's only 10 percent and here's the advantage is that if that's built in and you have this the giant spreadsheet let's say you want to sell your business you can say to the buyer look at my numbers here's my 10 percent month over month year over year and you can put it in a savings account and actually have cash how many of us actually have cash in our businesses raise your hand i can see none <laughs> i have some cash in my pocket there might be one practitioner on the west coast or two who have some money in their practices but most of us were just running a break-even practice or slightly worse so the question is like what does it cost you to have somebody on your table for an hour do you know how much it costs you? No, I don't. I no. do not know what it costs to have someone on my table. I have not stopped to consider what it costs to have someone on my table. Now, I have looked at what are my costs, knowing that like every month I need to bring in roughly this amount of money, mm -hmm. but I didn't factor in my salary. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And some profit and some profit. I used to know that it cost me $55 for somebody to lie on the table for an hour. That did not include my own income, my personal income. I wasn't willing to even incorporate my personal income into that equation because my thinking was always, I'll have to lower my own fee to keep the business running. I know. I've got an idea. How about we just pretend that capitalism doesn't work? Isn't that what we are pretending? <laughs> Aren't all acupuncturists anarchists? Well, you and I are maybe older. We're from an older generation raised in the 60s and 70s with some different kind of revolutionary ideas. But Well, I mean, there's that. But I, growing up in the 60s, 70s, even though my family had a, were perfectly fine with money and you should make a profit, I come from a family of small business people. So they didn't have a problem with making money. Me and the culture I grew up in, that sort of hippy-dippy time, it was like, oh, yeah, you don't need money. Well, partly I didn't think I needed money because there was money. Yeah. I didn't really have to scrap for it until mm -hmm. I finally got out and started scrapping for it and realized, holy shit, I got to scrap for this stuff. Yeah. I got to hustle. And but that took a while. Well, my dad was a doctor and he definitely made us feel guilty about money because he didn't work in private practice. He worked for the university. And so he made the same amount of money every day, every day, no matter how many things he made people shoved down their throats. He was a gastroenterologist. He wasn't paid by the procedure. He was on salary. And he never really even made very much money because he was a university professor. So he didn't have to think about it. I mean, the way that you're thinking about your business, your dad didn't even have to consider that. No, he was one of those people that thought that, for example, a doctor should never sell anything in their office because if you make money off of products you sell, it's unethical because of course you're going to be driven to sell more because it's going to benefit you financially. Well, I think his point is well taken. And I think that is something that from an ethical point of view, we need to keep somewhere in between the front and back of our mind. Yeah. But how many acupuncturists do you really know who are peddling stuff that people don't need just to make themselves more financially benefited? Well, yes, again, this is something that I think we need to consider from an ethical point of view. But I don't think most acupuncturists are guilty of selling things to people for their own financial benefit. I think it's the opposite. I don't know. I think we tend to be more martyrs. No, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, there's so many different kinds of practitioners. And I have seen ads and things like acupuncture today that said, add blah, blah, blah percent more to your bottom line by selling our 
XYZ. Well, sure. So there is that. That is out there. It is. But I think you're also right. We probably often sell it at cost. We sell it at cost, which means we're losing money. Or low markup, right. Or low markup, which means you're losing money. Yes. And some of my patients have said to me, why is it that you never recommend anything for me to buy? Even though you have a whole shelf of things here, but you never tell me to buy anything. And I've lived in the camp of, I don't want anybody to ever accuse me of selling things for my own benefit. And so I tend not to sell things. Even though I have a full granular pharmacy, I've got a whole lot of nutraceuticals, I'm all set. So I've had to train myself to get past my own hesitance to make things available to people and say, are you taking fish oil? You really need to take fish oil. You're never going to get pregnant as a vegan unless you take some fish oil. Or something. Yeah. Either take this fish oil or go eat some steak. Yeah. How about human placenta? (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to go there right now. Hey, I want to circle back to something that you said, and I wrote it down because I thought it was brilliant. It was about the patient education piece. Mm. And you said, how are you teaching your clients to educate other people? Right. Which this is another one of those things. I hear it. And I think to myself, well, we all know that word of mouth is good. And so get good clinical results and kind of hope your patients will talk to other people and tell them. And often enough, they do. It's not enough. But thinking about educating them so they know how to talk to other people, that is brilliant. So tell us more. Yeah, you have to come up with some simple ways of explaining how acupuncture works. So that if two people are having coffee and one of them says, wow, you're having acupuncture. Well, how does that even work? And then the other one can say, oh, well, you know, my acupuncturist explained it to me this way. And then a very simple story, a very simple story that even a child can understand. This is what we need. We do not need any big explanation of chi. I'm sorry, people. Nobody talking to their neighbor over coffee wants to hear about chi. They don't care. They want to hear a simple story that makes sense to them somehow based on something that we all know. Everyday occurrence that you've seen your whole life that is similar to how acupuncture works or what an acupuncturist does. They don't need anything esoteric. They don't care. In fact, esoteric stuff makes us seem weird, which is not what we need. I would say esoteric. If that's the kind of patient you want, then yes, put that out there. But if that's not the kind of patient you want, do not put that out there. Yeah. Well, here in Iowa, I'm not courting the esoteric seekers. I actually had a woman come in recently and she she started telling me all about her chakras and her aura and all this stuff. And I'm an old geezer. And I just said, I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you right now. None of that matters to me. And she loved it. She said, thank you for straightening me out. I didn't understand. So what do you want to know? And so for me, yeah, I don't embrace esotericism, not in my clinic anyway. Yeah. Well, I sometimes have people come in and talk about chakras because they think I'm supposed to understand something about chakras because Chinese medicine, chakras, yeah, they don't realize they're not the same thing. It's just something that's kind of weird. Some weird stuff. And kind of from Asia. So mm-hmm. of course you do this. And, and to find out that, no, I don't, sometimes they're disappointed, but that's their problem, not mine. So I want to come back for a moment. What do you tell people in a very simple way, every day, like that, how acupuncture works? That's like the $60 million question. Well, it depends on what kind of a day I'm having. It depends on whether the first patient of the day or the 10th patient of the day. I tell people that 
acupuncture works through many, many, many different mechanisms of action simultaneously. I tell people that if we were going to explain this by scientific physiology, we would have a very, very complicated story to tell. I say it works on hormones. We see this every day. It works on neurotransmitters. We see this every day. It works on the immune system. We see this every day. And I try to break it down that way into things that people think they know something about. Mm -hmm. Well, I consider myself a good pedagogue. I try to figure out how a person thinks and what they understand and then say something that that person can relate to. I don't have always a set answer. Sometimes I say, you don't know enough physiology to understand my answer <laughs> if I were going to explain it to you. And other times I say, well, in Chinese medicine, we talk about this stuff called qi, and qi isn't really a thing. Qi is like a symbol that represents all the physiology of the body. And I tell all different stories about that. But I do think if you want your patient to tell their sister something that makes sense, you better have some plans. Don't tell them something weird and spooky. Tell them something that everybody can relate to, like electricity passing through a wire, right? I mean, that's an, an image that we all can understand. Or pick something like that to explain acupuncture. Yeah. In fact, years ago, I had an old farmer say, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but when you do acupuncture on me, I felt like you put all the fuses back in my fuse box. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's exactly what I did. These are the kinds of marketing strategies that work best. We want to talk to people in their language and help them communicate about us to their community. I think that is so key, maybe because that's what I also attempt. Yeah. To speak to a person using their language, their metaphors, their unique particular situation. Because then it really lands for them. Yeah. And it's an empathic way to communicate. It's caring. It's supportive. It's helpful. Yeah. You know something else that I was going to say do, but it's actually that I don't do. And it's tricky because I still catch myself from time to time and I have to stop. Whenever the phrase goes through my mind, in Chinese medicine, we dot, 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 I shut up. Well, that's smart. I do not preface, if I am prefacing something with, in Chinese medicine, then I am too far afield. I know I'm off track. You know, that's interesting because I do horror diagnosis a la Japanese acupuncture. And I palpate people's bellies a lot. And I'll say, wow, can you feel this thing that I'm feeling? Or does this feel tender to you? And they'll say, yeah, what does it mean? They always say that. What does that mean? And then I'll say, well, in Chinese medicine, it is said that this corresponds to this particular thing. And then I'll say, and if we translate that into Western medicine, it might mean this or this. And then I'll say, but the only thing that matters is that when I find this thing on your belly, I'm going to put a particular needle in your leg that's going to make this thing on your belly change. See, I tend to skip that stuff. Wow. Yeah. So instead of saying in Chinese medicine or in Japanese medicine, whatever, it means this, it corresponds to that. Instead of doing that, I mean, this is just the way I've been working lately, mainly because I'm tired of talking so damn much in my clinic. I'll see if it's tender. They'll say, what does that mean? Oh, this has to do with your digestion. You know, let's say their issue is digestion. Oh, that has to do with your digestion. I right, click. Done. They can cotton to that. And then you go to the point, you press it, you press again, and they're like, what happened? Yeah. Right? 
It's like, oh yeah, these things are connected. Okay, now we know what to do. Then you just go to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's just because I don't like talking so much anymore in my clinic. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. That's exactly it. It's exhausting. I already talked too much. And that's why you have to have written material that you can send home with people that they might actually look at and not just toss in the trash. It's a great idea. That is a really brilliant idea. I find that I am lacking in that aspect. I often send people home with like a little note about something that we talked about that I want them to do or this or that because they're going to have a treatment and after their treatment, they're not going to remember anything. No. Other than like, ooh, that, you know, that felt good and they go home and they just get on with their life for getting that. I told them to do something. So I have to send her home with a note from their doctor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to do this. Mm-hmm. So I love your idea with the cards, but I especially like that you are training people to talk about you and help market your work, help market your practice. And you're giving them a language and a way of communicating effectively with other people. That is mm-hmm. hands down brilliant. Like I said, they don't need to be educated about yin and yang and chi. They don't. God, no. No. They don't need to be educated. And secondly, uh, it's going to make too many people uncomfortable. You know, that's just weird shit. And knowing that stuff doesn't make the treatment work better. No, it doesn't. It's immaterial. Like when you take a pill from the doctor, you take it. You don't need to understand physiology to take a pill. So you don't need to understand yin and yang to have acupuncture. It's not necessary. I mean, you have to do some things to earn people's trust. They need to know that you are well-educated, but you don't need to prove to them that what you're doing is valid. You just do it, and then they find out. Yeah, I think we've got to, you know, it's all about controlling expectations. And you've got to be controlling expectations from the first time you talk to this person on the phone. We've got to be managing expectations. We've got to be planting seeds. We've got to be communicating who we are, what they should expect, how they're going to be taken care of. We need to start communicating that right from the very beginning. And that's another thing that we did, we worked on with my business coach was scripts. Mm -hmm. So I have scripts and flow charts for everything. I have a script for how to, the very initial phone call how to talk people through making the first appointment, common questions and the answers that are safe to give so that whoever's sitting at my front desk can just open a book and there it is. Any question, almost any question a patient asks, is the answer is there. And if it's not, they can always ask me to come to the phone. So scripts, flowcharts. I have flowcharts for every common activity, like how to buy inventory, how to buy supplies, how to fold sheets, what to put in the washing machine. We do laundry every day, all day. How to sanitize the bathrooms, how to sanitize rooms between patients. We have flowcharts for everything. We have a list of the tasks for the day for the secretary in order of most important. So when you walk in the door, you do this. flip the sign on the door, turn on the lights, adjust the thermostat, turn on the computer, listen to the voicemails, make up the rooms, come back and check the emails, return all the calls. I have a flowchart for that. We also have checklists. So you have mad consistency happening in your clinic right now. I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you also have to have a staff person who's willing to be trained and 
one of the fantastic things that I got as part of my business coaching deal was he did a particular kind of a personality test. He did one on me and he did one on her. And I had just hired this young lady. I didn't really know much about her, but she is a person who loves to please others. And she loves to be told what to do. She doesn't want to take too much initiative until she feels pretty comfortable. And that's really good because I'm a strong leader. I'm a person who keeps my eye on every little detail all the time. And so she's like the complimentary opposite. She's waiting for me to tell her that she did a good job and give her guidance on the next step. And so I've got a really great assistant right now. She's not too independent. <laughs> she's been with me three months and now she's starting to become more independent. So she's a good fit for the job. Yes. And she's a good fit for you. Very important. What is this personality test that you guys did? Well, it's part of this whole action coach thing. It's called DISC, D-I-S-C. I don't know anything else about it other than when you take the test, it asks you these dichotomy questions like, are you more this or that? And then you answer. And then, are you more this or that? And you answer. And you go down this list of things that seem very similar. You think, gosh, I don't know. Those are two similar attributes. I don't know. And you, you start to just kind of almost answer them randomly because you're not sure you're right. And then when you get the readout, it's like, oh, my God, this thing is so accurate about how I am. I don't know. I don't know enough about personality testing, but I'm sure it's one of those tools that's commonly used in employment settings. And you found it to be helpful. You found it to... Extremely helpful. Have a certain kind of accuracy. Mm -hmm. Extremely helpful. Yes, because, wow. you know, I'm such a strong leader type. And it's not because I want to be, I'm sorry, I don't want to be a leader, but I just am. People see me as being a leader. So there I am. So... A long time ago, I realized that if I hire somebody in my office who is really, really headstrong, it's going to create too much stress. I need them to be a, a more compliant kind of person. You need them to do their job, and there's some parameters that you're okay with them working within. Use your creativity initiative within these parameters, but here's the parameters. Yes, and I need them to be a person who is interested in doing a good job who's motivated to do a good job just for the sake of doing a good job, <laughs> which seems to be a more and more rare type of person. <laughs> I'm showing my age. <laughs> well, the person that's working for me now would probably be a person who would tend to want to be a good housewife. So, and I have space for her to not be that way too. And if she's not that way, I can adapt. But turns out she is. And like she washes my dishes after lunch. So her job is to take care of the clinic. Yep. Take care of me. Her job is to look after the business, take care of you, take care of patients. Right. Take care of my dogs. Take care of things in such a way that you can do what you're good at. And then, and then you guys are really a team. Yeah. She vacuums the rug when people track in too much dirt from outside and yeah. And then I don't have to think about it because I'm a hyper aware kind of person. I notice everything. And for me, everything in the clinic has to be set up to make people comfortable, to make people feel this is a professional environment, to make people t feel taken care of, to make people feel like we know what's going on. And so she's harmonious with that. And then I don't have to think about whether people are tracking too much salt. Well, 
we do practice Chinese medicine and we do have a strong propensity to think that harmonization is a good strategy yeah. to resolve all kinds of issues or, in your case, to run a business. Yeah. It's also the tradition of hospitality, which goes way back. Ooh. I had not thought about my practice as including an element of hospitality, but I hear you say it and I'm thinking I want to attend more to that. That, that kind of lands. Yeah. Well, it's a profound Judeo-Christian tradition coming from the ancient Middle East, hospitality. When you're a nomad and you're going through the desert and you find some people in a tent, they come out and offer you food and water. They don't just let you go by. Hospitality, and if you want to boil it down, when we run our business, when I work on my big giant Excel spreadsheet with all the numbers, that is an act of hospitality. Tell me more. Well, if you want to do good hospitality, you have to have resources. If you're out in the desert in a tent, you've got to have water, and you've got to have grain, and you've got to have meat. And so your Excel spreadsheet is how you do that. You know what your resources are. You're managing your resources so that you can share them. All right. So that you can support others. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. I mean, that makes sense. It's that whole idea of in the airplane, put on your oxygen mask. Before you help your, right. Before you help someone else, we know from Chinese medicine that if we are taking care of ourselves and we have enough chi and capacity that we can help take care of others, mm -hmm. we're familiar with this. So I think anyone listening right now can cotton to that. I want to come back to this big spreadsheet of yours because I've heard you talk about this a number of times in some conversations that we have. You've been talking about these flow charts, which you just alluded to, and you're really getting a keen look at the various aspects of your business. What is on this big giant Excel spreadsheet? I mean, I think of a giant Excel spreadsheet, I'm already getting nervous. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I don't know how to use one very well. Well, so the first thing to know about a spreadsheet is this old saying that I have, which is that if you don't have a map, you can't get anywhere. Mm. If you don't know where you are, you can't get to another place. So you got to figure out where you are. You got to have a map. 
And some of us come from the, the era of paper maps and learning, figuring out where you are. Now, of course, we have Siri. But the Excel spreadsheet, well, the one that I have, it has multiple pages. It actually has 15 pages. Wow. Wow. So 12 of the pages are monthly pages. So for the month of March, there's a big page that has a column for each day of, of the month that I am practicing. And in each column, it says the top section is number of patients that I've seen per day. So there's new patients, returning patients, affordable acupuncture patients, and office consultations. And I just put those numbers in. Then the next section is income. So number of dollars coming in from returning patients, new patients, affordable acupuncture patients, and office consult. I do some telehealth stuff. And then the next section is total income from acupuncture activity, total income from product sales. And the total income from product sales, part of it is from online sales from my full script site. Some of it is selling products in the office, the income from that, and then rent income. And so each day is a column that reflects the total income from all sources. And each day, I enter all of that data at the end of the day. And then at the end of each week in the far right column, it adds up the total across the week. So I can see for the week, what was the total income from returning patients? What was the total income from new patients? And then at the end of the month, there's a, t a column on the far right that shows how many total returning patients, how many total new patients, how much income from each of those, how much rent came in, how much product sales, how much cost of goods sold, what did it cost me to sell the products that I sold. And so it's all there. Does that make sense? So I am imagining it's not unlike a pilot in an airplane. Right. You've got fuel left in the tank. You got your airspeed. Exactly. You got your altitude, thrusters. I mean, whatever. I don't know what an airplane cockpit looks like other than there's a lot of dials. <laughs> I'm just imagining this. There's a bunch of dials. What's your altitude? All these things. You're getting a sense moment to moment of where is my practice? Every day, every week, every month. Every day. Because previously what you were doing to find out where's my practice is you were looking at how much am I paying or not paying myself. That was how you understood your practice? Or No, I would look at the profit and loss statements at the end of the month. Okay. So there was that, but I also hear that you were, remember from earlier in the conversation that you were adjusting your salary based on mm -hmm. kind of where things are at. This is giving you a granular look. Granular. Day by day, week by week. Yeah. And here's the thing that's crazy about this is that when you start looking at it, then once you're looking at it, it changes. Once you're looking at it, you actually have control over it. Once you're looking at it, you're thinking has an impact on it. How do I want to say this? I don't want to sound mystical or anything, but when you start looking at it, your consciousness changes it and makes the process work better, more advantageous. It makes you more profitable. It makes you more profitable. You understand more about what you're doing. This is not so different from being in clinic. Exactly. The more we pay attention to our patients, Exactly. The more we have a sense of who they are and where they are and what will be helpful for them. Right. The more we look, the more we see. The more we see, the more options we have for helping them. But also, 
it informs your actions on an unconscious level or semi-conscious level. It's like when you're doing acupuncture, if you're me, I'm monitoring the, the changes on the belly, right? And so let's say I've got an oketsu or something and I want to see it soften. I'm going to be manipulating needles and rechecking, rechecking, rechecking the oketsu. And there is a process unfolding in my mind where I'm thinking about all the things that I know that can change oketsu and I'm testing all those things. And it's the same with the business. Or when you're feeling the pulse, you put in a needle, check the pulse, put another needle, check the pulse. That's exactly what this is. And when you keep your eye on it, it changes your actions because it's more front of mind, right? And so instead of just being sloppy, instead of just having your sheets folded whichever way or answering the phone in some random way, if your commitment is to hospitality, then you're going to answer the phone the right way. It's, it's like bringing a level of consciousness to everything and knowing where you are financially is part of that. It's pretty wild. It's not bad. You know, it's scary. You don't want to do it because you're afraid you'll find out the bad news. And guess what? You do. You are going to find out the bad news. Of course, you're going to find out the bad news. Yeah, I mean, it only takes a short time to turn the ship around. And when you know where you need to apply some pressure or you when you know where you need to make some changes, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah, if you have no idea, I have a big clinic. I actually have nine treatment rooms, and I had a few of them sitting empty. And I couldn't find a renter, and I couldn't find a renter, and, you know, COVID, and I, I lost all my massage therapists. Everybody quit, and... So once I started doing the big Excel spreadsheet, I started to think more about finding a renter. And there was some way in which, I don't know, I sent out a message to the universe or something. And I had this chiropractor move in and he's renting four rooms. So suddenly I got a big giant rent check coming in from him every month. And now I'm solvent again. And so it's kind of mysterious. But once you start feeling the pulse then the system is going to change. And your pulse is a big spreadsheet right now. Yes, it's a massive spreadsheet. Okay. I want to circle back to something that you talked about earlier, which is vision and mission. Yeah. Because that seems important hmm. and that seems hard to get at. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you start to talk about it, it's really just a way of talking about sort of like putting down on paper what it is you already do. It's a way of like being honest with yourself about what you're committed to. So your vision is how you want the world to look on account of what you've done. Mm. And your mission is what you do to make that happen. What you do to make that happen. So can I ask what your vision is? Well, this is all in the works. It's one of those things that maybe you're never done, but I just opened one of these sort of working files that I have. And my vision, the one that's, that I opened says, vision to provide optimal health for our clients using the best natural tools and procedures. And then our mission is our professional practitioners provide natural products and holistic medicine modalities in an environment dedicated to your overall health. I don't know. There's a way in which when I say it, it sounds like wah, 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 like Charlie Brown's mother, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. 
I think these are things that take some time and I think they need to be revisited they do. from time to time. I know I've had tremendous resistance to doing this kind of thing myself. And recently with the podcast went through it and it was not pleasant, but the result is useful. Right. And see, so you're not doing it so that you can hang this on your wall. You're doing this because the process of doing it changes you. Mm -hmm. And I think it clarifies as well. Yes. It's like you get up in the morning and like, what am I actually doing here? Yeah. Because I know there are some days I feel kind of on it. I'm just like naturally effusive and I have energy and like, yeah, I got, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of rolling with things. And there's other days where I'm, what am I doing here? Why am I even bothering? Oh, I better go look at that vision statement. I know. Because I just want a cup of coffee and read a book. Yeah. Another thing that my coach had me do was 14 points of culture. Like if you're going to talk about what's important to you in your clinic, your clinic culture. So I wrote honesty, integrity, passion, education, empowerment, hospitality, health, environment, professionalism, teamwork, support, transparency, punctuality, accuracy. And it was so helpful because it, it made me realize that I already have a culture that I had never even elucidated. It wasn't clear to me what it was. And when I sat down and wrote, like, what are the sort of facets of the culture of the clinic? And then I talked in detail about each of those ideas, like, what does it mean to me and how does it look in our clinic? And so these kinds of tools are, they're actually very supportive, even though they're kind of scary. I also worked on like expectations for my front desk staff, like specific expectations of what they would do, but also how they would be. So that when I sit down with my staff and do a, a review every three months, I can say, how are you doing on this measure? We have something to measure people against. I think that would be very helpful too in hiring somebody. Right. Here's what we're looking for. Right. How's this fit with you? Exactly. Like one of the things on my list of expectations for staff is be willing to ask for help. You know that I realized, wow, I need my staff to ask for help. It was so helpful for me to realize that. Like it doesn't work for me when people don't ask for help. Yeah. So having a business coach, woof, such an experience. Sounds like it's been super helpful. It's fun. Again, Laura, I've known you for years now. I've been impressed at the kind of practices that you've run in the time that I've known you. And I know that in the past few months, as you've been doing this, it's really kicked up what you're doing. I suspect it's helpful that you already have a lot of experience. Yeah. And so you bring that to this endeavor. You add on this additional clarity that you're getting, and it gets you some traction pretty quickly. Yes. For those who may not have as much business experience as you, could you pull out like the top three or five things that you've been learning and using lately as something for them to think about in terms of taking their practice up to the next level? Well, boy, that's a hard one. One thing that I think a lot of people at an earlier stage in practice can get confused about is being a martyr. We don't want to be a martyr. It's not good. It doesn't help our patients. We cannot do this in a way that it undermines our own personal success or health. That's so important. Another thing is that you have to be organized. You have to be organized, 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 because 
clients will pick up on it. If you're not organized, they know it. And they will not trust you if you're not organized. If you're organized, people appreciate it. They feel taken care of. And it's going to be easier if you're organized. Another thing I think is do have some kind of good practice management software. And you don't have to use all the features, but you have to have something. You have to have something to keep track of people, to easily access information about people. I was never a fan of online scheduling, but you know now we're starting to use it and we figured out a way to make that work. And some people like it. And don't pay other people to do things you can do yourself. I really think you can do QuickBooks pretty easily. And it's worth $200 a year to, to have it, I think. You don't need to have a bookkeeper. You don't need to have a custodian, although I do. <laughs> well, you spent a lot of time with your practice as it is. It's good to be able to outsource certain things so you can get some rest. Yeah. Well, Laura, it's always fun hanging out with you. Yeah. Super fun. And I learned so much today. I had a, an epiphany today. That whole thing about hospitality, I don't know where that came from. So thank you for that. <laughs> you know, this is the fun thing about a conversation is that sometimes, it, and I see this in clinic all the time, there's something that's in us and we actually know this, but we don't know that we know it. And then a certain conversation happens and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. All right, my friend. Well, until next time then. Thank you. Perhaps because I grew up in a family that didn't have jobs, they had businesses. In a way, I'm comfortable with the idea that my livelihood is dependent on me. It's both a privilege and a burden, but the burden is well worth shouldering. So I hope that you have found this conversation with Laura to be helpful. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.